it led me down the path of realizing the roots to so much of our our fear and people pleasing behaviors and inability to make decisions, not feeling good enough, confidence is actually so deep. And so it sent me on this like crazy journey, like so profound into like my own inner child. And and what happened was I was working on myself, but what happened was my marriage started to shift too. We weren't arguing the same way. I wasn't needing validation from him in the same way. I had more confidence. And so things ended up like naturally evolving in my marriage. I didn't even realize it right away. Welcome back to the Awakening Her podcast. Today I'm sitting down with Beth Miller. Beth is a marriage coach, a teacher of psychology, a Reiki teacher, a mom of three, and a certified hypnotherapist. Beth helps women to transform their relationship as they transform themselves. So that's what we're talking about today, how doing the inner work transforms your marriage and your relationships. You're going to hear all about Beth's story, about how she started going deeper into her own healing work and how this shifted her marriage dramatically. We talk about inner child work, abandonment wounds, and so many other things that come up in a marriage, in a relationship, and how you can start doing your own inner work to transform your relationship. So I know you're going to love this. I know you're going to love Beth. Without further ado, let's welcome her onto the show. Hey, Seeker, welcome to the Awakening Her podcast. I am so grateful that you've been led here, and I'm excited for you that you're answering the call to manifest more magic in your life by mastering the law of attraction. So cool. My name is Talia, and I'm committed to cutting the fluff and showing you exactly how to manifest more excitement, ease, success, abundance, confidence, love, and anything else you've been craving. So if you're ready to crack the code on manifestation, amplify your intuition and play in the quantum. We are now besties. Let's do this. Hello, Beth. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I'm so excited for this conversation. We're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, this is going to be really good. We have not talked about relationships on the show directly. Um, A few times we've touched on it a little bit, but I'm really excited to dive into everything we're going to talk about and our personal evolution, how that changes our relationships. I know there's a lot of people that are either, you know, leaving marriages or wanting to expand and deepen their connection with their partner or even seeking a partner. So today we're going to kind of touch on all of that. And I'm really excited. So could you start by just sharing with us who you are, what you do and all that fun stuff? Perfect. So I'm Beth Miller. I am a mom to three wonderfully crazy little men. I've been married for 14 years. And on top of that, I am a marriage coach, a teacher of psychology, a Reiki practitioner, and a certified hypnotist. And I use all those tools to help women transform themselves to transform their marriages. Wow. That is a really cool toolbox. I always appreciate when people mix things like psychology, you know, with the Reiki, with the energy, you know, to me, even when I seek, even if it's, you know, something for my body, it's like, I appreciate like the acupuncture mixed with the energy healing mixed with the chiropractic or whatever, you know, whether it's your mind or your body. I love when we are combining all of these different modalities. It's so beautiful. So what led you into, you know, wanting to focus on and special in marriages and relationships. Yeah. So it was a life like health crisis. So it's so amazing how 
the universe will just throw things at us to be like, you're not listening. It's time for you to up level. I'm throwing this at you. So I had a brain bleed, like a healthy mom running half marathons. All of a sudden my brain started to bleed. I lost my ability to walk on my right side and uh, right with my right side. And it was traumatic to say the least. Like I was in complete fear that my brain was going to keep bleeding. I didn't know what my life was going to look like. I was in hospital for a month and you know, what was left was I just had to really deal with who I am. I felt like I was stripped away of everything I thought I was, a mom, a teacher, um, an avid runner, like all the things I put my identity in were gone at that point. So I ended up going into like depression, anxiety, as most life changes come with. And it was me digging myself out of that. And I, like you said, the toolbox, I went on a search for finding all kinds of tools to try and help myself out of this. And as I was working through this work, I didn't have my hypnosis training at the time and I didn't have my Reiki at the time. I had more of the psychology side at the time, which was all like, try breathing, like just breathe in and out. I'm like, I'm done with breathing. I can't breathe through this anxiety and this depression anymore. Like there's gotta be more to this. And what it led me, it led me down the path of realizing the roots to so much of our our fear and people-pleasing behaviors and inability to make decisions, not feeling good enough, confidence is actually so deep. And so it sent me on this like crazy journey, like so profound into like my own inner child and through my own healing of myself after a brain bleed, like it felt like my world was flipped upside down, but now my world is flipped right side up. It was meant to be, I hadn't been listening for so long and I learned a ton of skills, took some training. And what happened was I was working on myself, but what happened was my marriage started to shift too. We weren't arguing the same way. I wasn't needing validation from him in the same way. I had more confidence. And so things ended up like naturally evolving in my marriage. I didn't even realize it right away. And so what happened was I ended up starting to like my own coaching practice. And I started to attract women, not more in the light of just general manifestation, but it was more marriage troubles. And so that's how I started to like niche down and become the marriage coach. And so that's where I'm at today. So a brain bleed to now coaching women on how to save marriages. Wow. That is incredible. I am in some ways, you know, I'm so sorry and have so much empathy for what you went through. That would be terrifying. That feeling of, you know, we, we tend to, if something goes on, it's like, is this the end? Like, that's really, really scary. And I also really acknowledge you for just even saying like, it felt like it was flipped upside down, but it was actually flipped right side up. And I like to talk about how roadblocks are detours in the right direction. And in the art of transformation, like sometimes we need to be gently or aggressively shoved into those places to really reevaluate our lives and what's going on in our mind and our energy and our physical life. And it just sounds like that was such a point of transformation for you. And how interesting to notice when you started doing more work on yourself, how it shifted your relationship without even, you know, trying to focus on that. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. Like you so, said, I was aggressively shoved into it and I hadn't been listening for a long time. So I think in the work you do, intuition is so important. So we can talk about that in a little bit, but your intuition is constantly trying to lead you where you need to go and having your intuition talk to you. It's a choice. You don't have to act on your intuition, but the longer you wait to make that choice, sometimes you'll get a bigger shakeup in the end. Yeah. That's, that's not from a place of fear. That's not from a place of fear, like a threat, but it's often like you got to listen. Yeah, it's so true. I'm writing a book right now and it's on the process of transformation, the death and rebirth cycles. And as I've been writing this book, it's taken me on such a journey of seeing life so much differently and seeing how exactly like you say, if we're not listening and I call it like the initiation, like we're always being initiated into some next level with these whispers, with these nudges, with this gut feeling like something needs to change or, or even just something's not working. I feel uncomfortable. I 
feel anxious. Something's not working. And if we don't listen, the universe needs to crack us open. It needs to shake us up a little bit. And there always is that choice to listen and not have it be so painful, but we're human. And a lot of times we don't know what's going on. We don't know quite how to decode it yet until we're shoved into that place where we have no other choice. And that can end up be end up being our biggest blessing, but it's also sometimes really scary and really disheveling and unnerving and things are breaking down or things are falling away, jobs and relationship ends, medical scares, you know, and it's scary, but it is also getting you to move into that level of something so much better. Um, and that's the perfect example of it. Crazy. That's so, that's so wild. So I'd love to just talk when about the relationships, just kind of start by talking about how, when we do our own inner work and how that starts to you know, change our dynamic. And maybe even if there are people with the, not the level of communication or intimacy or closeness that they once had with their partner, how does doing the inner work affect the marriage? Shouldn't we, you know, it's kind of, shouldn't we go to work on the marriage or why is that also, you know, a reflection of us? I'd just love to hear you talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up because so often we are programmed to think, okay, marriage is breaking down or there's troubles within the marriage. Let's go to couples counseling. And so with couple counseling, you need two people to go. And when you both go, whether it's once a week, every two weeks, once a month, you're there and you're spending about an hour just rehashing what's gone on in the last year, two years, five years, and you have one hour. And even if you divide that by the two of you, we're talking half an hour, plus your therapist needs to talk as well. So it's very, very little time to unpack years of possible like communication issues, betrayal or emotional connection. And so it's very surface. You might leave that session often with like, okay, I want you to try using I statements or, you know what, I want you to sit down and really connect for 10 minutes every single day. So you're given these strategies, but often they're band-aid fixes. They're often just like the surface level stuff. Like I want you to try this, but what happens is you might be able to do that for a little while, but then a couple of weeks later, what happens is you fall off the wagon and you're backbiting again or disconnected. And so the reason why is because you've got to get to the root reason. So I think individual work is so important. It has to happen so that we can really focus on those root issues of childhood wounds and we can get to that or reasons you're people pleasing, not making good decisions, not feeling good enough, not feeling heard, not feeling seen, not feeling safe. And the list goes on and on of all these possible beliefs. We have to get to those reasons before we can even work on the marriage. If not like couples counseling, I don't want to say it, but it kind of could be a waste of time. So if you're both doing some individual therapy and couples, I think that's ideal, or at least one spouse needs to be working on themselves to really end some of the patterns, the unhealthy patterns in a marriage. Mm, yeah. And I love that you said a, um, a few minutes ago about like needing validation. And then you just mentioned all these internal wounds that get projected out on our partner. And I, I say to my husband all the time, like, it's a miracle that people even stay married because you put two individual people with their entire lives, their entire stories, the lens in which they see the world, all of their beliefs, all of their shit, put them together with somebody else and you, they have all their stuff. And then you try to create one life. Like we're supposed to be this one unit and this one life. And, and that's sort of the perception of like, we need to work together and be on the same page all the time. And it's like, well, that doesn't, we are individual people. And I'm always fascinated at that. And even personally in our, in my relationship with my husband, we really try to give each other that independent time. Like if he needs a guy's weekend or he wants to go out and do this, or I need to do this and really try to give each other that space to be human because we are just two individual people at the end of the day, but your partner it's like the, 
it's like everything comes out in relationships, whatever your issues are, is going to come out in the relationship. And I really have seen that as I've worked on my abandonment wound that has nothing to do with him. I have found that there's times when he's going away and I'm less triggered. I didn't realize what was going on. He would go on guys trips or whatever. And he's like, he lets me not lets, but you know, I have my time. He's supportive. He's an incredible human. And I would be like bitter, like, Oh, he gets to go away with friends. And I would go, what is that? He's so like, he even sets me up and we got groceries. I'm on, you know, we're good. He's loving, caring. Like I know he deserves it. Why does this bug me so much years later, like five, six years, I realized like, Oh, abandonment wound. It feels like I'm being abandoned when he goes away. And then as I healed that wound and went to work sort of on that, now he goes away and I'm like, bye babe, I packed you a lunch, you know? And it's incredible because it was never about him. So I'd love to hear you talk about that as well. Yeah. Abandonment. That's a huge one. Like so often our inner child, like a lot of those formative years under age eight, where our mind is in a theta brainwave state where we're really absorbing our world as truth. Um, for instance, like if I was in grade one and the teacher said, what's five plus five. And I would say, you know what? It's eight. I put my hand up and the whole class laughs. And I take that so personally being like, oh, I'm stupid. Oh, I shouldn't have spoke up or nobody likes me. And it's these little mini like events in our lives, which can add up to kind of create like a, a complex trauma or, and with that complex trauma becomes these beliefs. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart. And so what happens is our behavior starts to change. And that's what trauma is. It changes your behavior for the negative. And all of a sudden I start to not speak up. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel confident. And so little events like that start to form the adult that we become in our relationships. And so in a relationship, a romantic relationship, there's two things. It puts a lot of our inner child stuff under a magnifying glass where we're like, we have to deal with this because it's constantly coming up. It's like your partner's inner child is talking or your partner's inner child is talking to your inner child wounds. Mm -hmm. And together they're just taking everything personally because when we sense something, so it's our partner saying something, there's a stimuli. So we see the event happen, we observe it, we see it for what it is, but it's the interpretation that really messes us up. We have this filter and it could be the inner child filter. All of a sudden it's taking it, his words of, why did you spend so much at Costco? All of a sudden takes that in as, I'm not good enough, we don't have enough money. And it starts to filter in all of these other beliefs when it was just like, why did you spend so much at Costco? And so we have to really look at that interpretation, that third step of the communication pattern to figure out what are those inner beliefs that are derailing your conversation, which then makes your partner your ultimate teacher. Your partner is mirroring to you exactly what you need to work on within yourself. So seeing your partner, seeing your triggers is something to celebrate. Oh, you don't want to celebrate, but really in that moment, you'd be like, thank you, universe. Thank you, like my inner self for showing me that this is something I need to work on within myself. This trigger, I'm glad it's here. Mm, yeah. And that takes a bit, you know, for a lot of people, because in the surface level of any trigger, it's the problem. And, you know, I say this, I was just saying this to a client this morning, like at first we're just reacting. We're just going like, why the hell doesn't he do this? Or he never listens, or, you know, he said he'd do this and he didn't or whatever, or in other areas of life, like, oh, money, ah, we're just reacting to the thing we don't want. But to take that next level to be like, what is my part in this? And like you said, the interpretation, what am I making this mean? And often it's like, I told him dinner was at six, he's home at 6.30 and it's like, he disrespects me. He doesn't listen. I slaved away and he doesn't care. Meanwhile, he's going like, there was an accident on the highway. <laughs> and it's like, we, you know, it, it's so fascinating. So can we talk a little bit then about those triggers and why 
triggers are important to identify, but also how, if there is someone that's like, oh, my husband drives me nuts. My partner, my wife drives me crazy with all these things that they do, starting to recognize triggers maybe in a different way. I'd love to hear, you know, what you say about that. Yeah. So first off, we have to understand what a trigger is. So a trigger is often somebody's words or their lack of words. And we often forget about that when they don't say something that can trigger us. Same with their actions. It's an action that's triggered us or their lack of actions. Like to say, they're not helping us. They're not helping tidying up. So there's those two things that other people can trigger us, but our own thoughts, we can trigger ourselves too, taking ourselves back to past memories or our own thought patterns. So with a trigger comes an emotion. So we often don't see the trigger right away. We often feel the emotion. I feel mad, sad, angry, guilt, shame, embarrassment. So that emotion is what's often being triggered. And then that emotion is connected to a belief. And how it works is our subconscious mind, like 95% of our brain power, only 5% is used, you and I right now, analyzing, thinking, rationalizing, but that 95% of our brain power, it stores all our memories. And so with every memory, like just say one of my clients, she was doing dishes and her dad comes home, he's been drinking, he gets mad at her for not doing the dishes right. So she has this memory that she's formed from a child. We can't change that memory, but there was an emotion. She felt really scared. She felt fear. And what goes along with that fear is the belief that I'm not safe. I'm not safe in my home or men aren't trustworthy. And so we have a memory that's stored in our subconscious mind, her dad coming into the kitchen, which then creates fear, which then creates the belief I'm not safe or men aren't safe, which then carries with us into later on in life. So just say she's in an unhealthy marriage or maybe she's even in a healthy marriage, but something happens with her husband and all of a sudden she goes back to that kind of inner child wound. Her, her subconscious is like, fight, flight, freeze, being like, I don't know if I'm safe in this right now. So it's really important that often current triggers are activating past emotions and past memories, but we just don't always have the awareness of it because our brain is so efficient that 95% of our brain power, we don't have access to a lot of those memories. We're automatically firing thoughts all day long that we don't have awareness of. Mm, Yeah, that's so wild. Um, I always get this, like maybe being an empath, being sensitive, like slamming doors and things slamming. It always makes me just like, (gasps) it like gets me. So I feel so like my nervous system just reacts. And I recognized that just lately that it was something from childhood and remember experiencing like my mom slamming things and just loud noises meant like she was not happy. And then I, as a child felt unsafe, even though she didn't physically harm me, it was that, you know, that nervous system, lack of safety. So then when my kids or my husband or someone, not that people walk around slamming doors really, but when that happens, even my kid like slam, it just, it just makes me like, Oh, and then for a while I'm like shaken, almost like I've seen an accident or something and recognizing those things. It's so key because before that, I'd just be like, stop slamming doors, you know, just, could you stop that? Not recognizing like that also triggers, like it's hypersensitive in me. There's something there to look at that makes me, as you were saying, feel unsafe. Um, it's so complex, these relationships. I tell you, I'm surprised that any marriages last really, because it is so incredible. Um, just the dynamics and the layers. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about the authentic you and you talk about that and, you know, what does that mean connecting to your authentic self or the, you know, your authenticity in a relationship? Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So your authentic you, we need to know who she is. And sometimes we don't. A lot of women have like never been their authentic selves. Well, other women are often telling me, you know what? I can see myself as age five. I was carefree. I was light. I was speaking my mind. I was a bit sassy. 
I was my authentic me that I just spoke up. And somewhere along the lines after age five, maybe something happened, like parents got divorced or elementary school started and I lost my way. And so I can see that I was authentic years and years and years ago, or some women have never had that based on their upbringing. We have to create an authentic you. So if it's a lot of fun. It's like, what avatar do I want to create for myself? How do I want to feel? And we manifest from a feeling. I could say, I know you and I were talking earlier. I want $1 million. Like you sense the tone. I want a million dollars. Like there's no feeling to it. But if I was like, I want a million dollars, there's an emotion to it. So it's I'm not saying that we can just manifest a million dollars. Obviously there's a lot of steps involved and there has to be a why involved. You want a million dollars because I want to help people or I want to transform this. But when you start to get into that, like, oh, I want to transform women's lives. I want to create a shelter. I want to do whatever with this money. You start to feel that. And so it's so important that we get into the feeling of what we want to be because that's how we manifest. So if you're just like, I want to feel happier, there's nothing to that. Like, I want to feel happier. Why do you want to feel happier? So we have to connect to our authentic like us. And if you've never felt her, you don't know what it would feel like to be here. We have to start that process because you know, you're super miserable right now. You're not happy. We know what you want to feel. And then we get to have the fun part, which is removing all the blocks in between. And a lot of that is the reasons why you're triggered emotion, things that you've been pushing under the rug, things you didn't even realize were there, like slamming doors that have kept you from being that authentic mom. You used to just get snappy with your kids and tell them to stop slamming doors. But now you have that realization that it's not actually them, it's you. And when you remove that block, you get closer to being your authentic you or your authentic mom or your authentic wife. Mm, Yeah. And often when we're lost in the details of, even if we're just talking about marriages, it's like, well, you did this and you did that. Like there's no room for like authenticity. Cause again, we're just reacting to all the things and just wanting to be right. Um, and wanting them to see it our way and all of that. So, yeah. And, and I, I would say too, with that, cause I teach about activating the whole authentic self is what I call it. Same thing, your essence, like who you are at your core, who you were as a carefree child. It's exactly what I talk about when you're in a good space and you're feeling calm, that energy you bring into a room is your essence. That's your authenticity, but also asking like, what do I need? And I think that's really important in manifestation, of course, but in, in relationships, because you might have this cycle of like, he never does the dishes and blah, blah, blah. And then you feel unheard and like, he doesn't care, but actually asking like, what do I need here? And the first reaction might be like, well, I need him to do the friggin' dishes. It's like, no, but what do I really need? I need to be heard. I need to be seen in this need or something like that. So then maybe sitting down, looking him in the eye, being like, you know, I really need you to be participating in this, or I need you to help out more here. I need more support or something, but that comes from authenticity because the non-authentic is like, I just need him to, you know, do whatever, you know, it's kind of that reaction. I need him to listen. That's it. And it's like, well, no, there's something under there. It's like, I feel unheard. I feel unsafe. Like, okay. So do you experience that? And do you talk about that? Even like what are sort of our, our authentic needs underneath the drama of whatever's going on. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, drama, trauma, trauma, drama is a term mm-hmm. my client used the other day. And I'm like, I love the two kind of interchangeable, how they can be interchangeable because often it feels like drama in our marriage, but often it comes from some trauma. And just to add to your point, I think playing the why game is really fun. So yes, it's surface. It has to do with the dishes, but why is it that the socks on the floor, the dishes not being done is bothering me? Well, I feel 
taken advantage of. Why do you feel taken advantage of? I feel taken advantage of because I'm doing all the work. I feel taken advantage of when I do all the work because it makes me feel like I'm a slave to other people. Why do you feel like you're a slave to other people? Because people have so many demands on me or I'm constantly putting other people's needs first. So we start to get deeper and deeper and then you realize, when have I done this before? When have I felt taken advantage of? When have I felt like I'm putting people's needs first? When have I had unhealthy boundaries of speaking up for myself? So when we can take it back even like two, three, four, five, wise deep, we can get to the root of the dishes, root of the dirty socks on the floor. Mm, yeah. And then we can more effectively communicate because, you know, even realizing that abandonment thing, I'm lucky my husband, he's, he's into self-development as well. And I just said, like, I just need to talk to you about something. And I kind of, as the empath, I'm like, it's not that you are abandoning me. I felt the need to like clarify because he didn't understand triggers as much and whatever. So we kind of talked through it. And I was like, you know, it feels like abandonment, even though consciously I know that like you're the most amazing partner. You are not abandoning. You're always texting me and, you know, reassuring me and whatever else, not that that's necessarily needed, but I just know his heart is pure in this intention, but it still feels like that. So that reaction, why I go ice cold when you're gone or you're not getting as much from me. And I'm just, I'm always like, I'm just trying to process, like, I don't want to project it on you. I know something's coming up. Now I've discovered what that was. And he actually was able to go like, Oh, okay. And like, is there anything you need from me? Is there anything I could do differently? And I'm like, no, you know, you're doing it. I just had to realize that, that it's being sort of blown out of proportion in my mind, but from trauma. So I have compassion for that. Rightly so. That was what I had experienced, but now I can see it's not actually what it seemed in this circumstance. You're not actually abandoning me. So I'm curious about, because this is something I experience and I hear a lot of from my clients on this journey of self-development, I have a lot of clients, a lot of people in the community that are way more into self-development than their partners and their husbands or spirituality. And they don't want to create that distance because they love them and they want to be with them and they have a good marriage. It's just about them not understanding. So is there anything in there about, you know, kind of filling in your partner on what you're going through, even if they're not particularly as knee deep as you are in self-development? Does that make sense? And do you experience that with clients? All the time, all the time. Mm. And I think that's part of the foundation of what I do. So often when you start to transform yourself, you start to unpack all these reasons why you're quote unquote, really not that happy, why you're miserable or why you're exhausted. When we unpack all that, all of a sudden, it's like you take your backpack off of all your shadows, all the stuff that you've been carrying around for so long, all the shame, all the guilt, all the embarrassment, all the people-pleasing tendencies, the reasons why you've been doing that. So you take your backpack off and all of a sudden you feel a lot lighter. You all of a sudden have more space within you. And when you have that space within you, you can better, like we talked about interpretation, the stimuli happens, you observe your partner saying, doing whatever they're doing, you interpret it for what it is. You don't have the unhealthy patterns anymore driving your conversations. You see it and then you can now hold space for your partner. What I mean by hold space is you can use simple statements like, I understand. Tell me more about that. That makes sense. Shall we talk about this later? You can use simple open-ended questions just to be a detective, to be more curious, to then show them that you are trustworthy because often trust has been broken out. Your partner doesn't feel safe anymore after you've been arguing for many, many years or you've been passive aggressive for years. And so you then hold space for them so that they slowly start to up-level with you. You're already at this higher vibe frequency. So it's kind of like you're the party. You walk into the party, it's a fun place. Like everyone feels attracted to the party. 
But if you go to a funeral, you're like, oh, this is heavy. Like we literally can feel the vibration, like the energetic vibration. And we all know what that feels like. So you become the party. And so a couple of things happen. Law of vibration, you're the party. So law of attraction, he's going to up-level with you. But if you find he's not up-leveling with you, and sometimes it can take some time. Like it doesn't happen like within the next week, you're all of a sudden up-leveling. He's just there. It takes some time for him to up-level with you because he has to do some unpacking. But when you're a safe place, he opens up and Mm -hmm. up-levels with you more. But sometimes this other stuff happens. Sometimes he just can't up-level. He's really stuck in his own trauma, his own past, his own addictions, his own mental health. And as much as you're holding space, you're getting the message that, you know what, I've learned everything I can from this relationship. And that's really scary. And you may sit in that for a long time, but sometimes you get the clarity that I've learned everything I can from this relationship. And we don't ever want our relationships to end, really. Like a lot of times you get married, like you vow to stay together till death do us part. But the odd time, you know what, it's time to leave. Um, But so often you can stay in it until you've learned everything you can. But if really they're not meeting your needs or there's like you're feeling unsafe, then it could be time to exit. Or there's a third option. You know what? They're just not up-leveling with you. Then you go find another community that's up-leveling with you and you can connect with them like friends, family, organizations, finding a coach, finding another community where you can fill that cup of spirituality and just that talking about manifestation or whatever it is that you want to feel motivated by. You can go elsewhere for that too. Mm, I really love that because that kind of comes down to like, what are my needs? Well, I I do have the need to connect with people around spirituality or health or whatever you're going through. And it's actually okay, is my opinion, totally unprofessional opinion, but this it's okay if it's not your partner. And I'm curious to know what you what you say to that because it feels like sometimes we want our partner to fill every single need. We want them to hear us like a girlfriend and we want they want we want them to sweep us off our feet like our man and we want them to be, you know, our guru and we want them to be our counselor and we want them to be all these things. And I don't know if that's realistic. It, yeah, I'm really curious what you have to say about that. I'd say for the most part, it's not realistic. But if it's something you desire, like if you desire to find a partner that's going to meet all your needs, then let's let, let, let manifestation do its piece, but you got to get yourself to a place of full worth that I desire this person, this person, this person, like this person to have all these characteristics. But if you're like, you know what, I'm not there yet. I'm okay with, these are all my needs, listing them all out. Like I need someone that's going to love me, cherish me, respect me, but I'm going to, I need someone to love me in this capacity. Like I need them to love go hiking. I need them to love to cook. But if your partner's not all of those, then really, it's okay to go elsewhere for those. And you have to speak up, like you have to articulate your needs. And so often I'll talk about love languages. And so if your love language is like access to service and his is physical touch, you need to own it. You need to ask for access service. You need to ask for physical touch because so often when your partner loves in a different or likes to be loved in a different way than you, it's not natural. So we have to be the owners of our life and ask for what we need and don't feel like I'm a nag or I've already said this, or what are they going to think about me if I keep asking? You just have to keep asking. And if they're being triggered by that, then that's something else to unpack as well. But if you need something, you got to go for it, whether it's with your partner, because I do have a lot of wives that they stay in. I wouldn't call it unhappy marriages, but slightly unsatisfying because there's so many other benefits. They have their kids, they have their lifestyle, they get their needs met elsewhere, like in terms of like intellectual or emotional needs. Um, and I'm not talking about like with another partner, but just through friend groups or communities. And they can get a lot of needs met with their husband, but it's not all their husband. Mm, yeah. And they stay. It's It works for them. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's kind of like, as long as we are in fact, getting our needs met, meaning as a human, you deserve and are worthy of being satisfied in all the areas of your life and having them all flourish. It's almost like from what I'm hearing from you, it's like, it's up to you if you want that to be all your partner, or if you can meet your needs in other ways. Um, but it's almost like as long as your needs are being met and you can always continuously ask for that and seek that, it doesn't have to be all from your partner, but also if you want a partner that's just as much into spirituality as you, then that's also okay. Cause what we desire is meant for us. And I love that you said the love languages, actually, that's exactly us. I am acts of service and he is physical touch. And so even just looking at that, it's so funny because I love when he's like, oh, I was in your car. I gave you an oil change, you know, or something. And I'm like, oh, thanks. It's like, he loves me. You know, it really goes so far to show me that like, he really cares. He has my back, but when he's having a hard time or just in general, he just wants me to touch him. He just wants me to put my hand on his back or give him a hug. That's all he needs. And sometimes when he's struggling, I'll go like, okay, maybe if I book him a weekend alone and maybe if I like make him his lunch and then he'll feel less stressed and I kind of go into the doing and he just wants me to stand there and like rub his back or say like, it's going to be okay and touch his knee. Like that's all he wants, which actually brings me to another point, which I really wanted to ask you is this has been something that's been really tough for me. And I've, I've seen this with other clients when we start to know better or have that higher awareness, as we're talking, we're more self-developed. We want to swoop in and save our partner. And when he's struggling, I've talked to a lot of other coaches that are like, yeah, I don't coach my husband. Like that just doesn't work. So when they're struggling, we want to be like, do you notice your language and you're being really negative? And they just, most of the time in my experience and with my clients and people I talk to, it's like, they don't want to hear it at all, especially from you. And we established this years ago, I cannot coach my husband and just to take responsibility when I'm in that phase, I generally don't want him to like talk me out of it and positive me out of it as well. What is up with that? Why do we not want to take that advice from our partners and how do we guide them back into either spirit or love or well-being without trying to fix them. Because the second they feel like we're trying to fix them, in my experience, it creates this more narrative of I'm broken. And so if I'm suffering and my husband wants to fix me, it almost reinforces like there's something wrong with me, whereas there's nothing wrong. We go through these human emotions. So I'm just curious, anything that you have to say about that when we just so want to like bring that awareness to them, but they're so not receptive to it. Yeah, the first word that comes to mind, whether this is completely true for every situation, but is denial. Like it's almost denial that they see that in us before we even saw it, or they see it in us even more so than we see it within us. Or they can, they they already know. It's not like you had to out and be like, I'm feeling this way. They they know you so well. So sometimes you can avoid it because you're like, I don't want to deal with this with you because I just want to pretend like it's not even really that bad or um, that's the case. So that sometimes I can be because they know us so well. It's kind of like your parents. Like sometimes you just don't want to hear it from your parents, but they know you so well. It's a little bit like that. Those that love us the most are the most easy to push away. So I see it since that's probably playing into it. Um, also, is it boundaries that are being crossed? If you're trying to coach them, fix them, teach them, is that really what they want? Or do they want you just to kind of, like I said earlier, just hold space for them, just rub their back, be there with them, sit there with them, let them come to you? Or do they want the advice? And so is it unsolicited advice that you're trying to give? So mm -hmm. I think it comes back to just even asking them, how can I help? That is so powerful. How can I help? Mm -hmm. Is there anything I can do right now? Do you want me to check in with you again on this topic in a couple of days? Do you want me just to let this be? 
can I sit with you? So just checking in with them, that might be easier than trying to fix. Because if you're trying to fix them, especially as an empath, it's probably because they're making you feel really uncomfortable. You're probably taking on whatever stress, whatever fear, whatever sadness, whatever anger they're taking on. You're probably feeling it. And you're like, I want to fix you because I'm tired of feeling this way. Just being around you is making me anxious. And so then even looking at your own boundaries around energetics and taking on his energy. I often say to my clients, does his mood have an on-off switch to your happiness? Yeah, I can 100% relate to that. I even was joking the other day, he was just having a heavy day. And I was joking about that. I'm like, your heaviness is making me uncomfortable. And we both laugh like he he knows because I'll, you know, we joke about stuff like that. But I was like, is there anything I can do for you? And like, not knowing what was going on with him was like, <sighs> like, is it just something simple? Like the kids are overwhelming? Or is there something big? And like, it's almost like, I just want to know what's going on. But I fully recognize that most of the time letting it be. And I just love that you said that. And again, it's not going to be one size for everybody, but I think most of the time our partners just need us to hold space and give them love and compassion and not try to fix them. Another thing that was coming up when you were talking about that is like, what is within is also without what goes on in here is out there. So are you trying to fix yourself? If you have that mentality of a down mood needs to be fixed, you're probably trying to do that to yourself rather than hold space for yourself to be in that trigger. Therefore, when somebody else is feeling discomfort, your first reaction is to fix them. But the farther along this road I get, I notice the power in healing is being with the discomfort inside myself, consoling my inner child. And I call it reparenting and just being in that inner child space of compassion and not trying to fix them. Because like you said, our wounds are kind of like our inner children reacting. So it's almost like if they're reacting and then you're trying to fix them, you're trying to fix their inner child, whereas their inner child just needs to be held. They need a Band-Aid on their knee. They need to go for ice cream and have their back rubbed and wrapped in a blanket. Like it's, it's much more simple. The thing that I find that I come across is when their stuff comes up, I go like, this is the perfect time because all of your stuff is up. Like the narratives, it's the perfect time to like see the narrative because when I slip into like, oh, I'm so this, I go like, oh, there's a narrative and I like to be on it. But most people are like, oh, you're feeling negative. I'm going to pick that apart. Most people don't want that. So I'm just curious, is that the way you see it or what do you want to add to that? Depends where you are in this journey. If you were to call me out right now and tell me about something, I'd be like, oh, you're right. I never thought of it that way. Or you totally busted me on that. So that's where I am with my husband right now. Often he'll call the old Beth. He's like the old Beth's coming in a little stressed about if we're late or the one that would nitpick about something that's really out of my control. He's like, that's the old best. So I can laugh that off. But if I sense that I'm getting triggered by him saying that, I'm like, oh, there's some work that I have to do. So I think it depends on where you are in this journey. If you are comfortable with, I call it outing yourself. It's so empowering to out your flaws, out your shadows, out the things that you try to hide from everyone. Like the, I know we, a lot of us don't think we're perfect, but there's a lot of parts of us that we want to do well in. And if we start to out that we haven't done well in certain areas of our lives, um, that you're not good with time management or you're not good with money or you're not good with your anger and you start to out that, it actually helps you heal it. Yeah. 
That's a really good point. There's for me, there's so much power in outing that. And even if I'm, you know, resisting doing something for self-care because there's other things to do, I will stop and I'll go, Talia, you're doing it again, like to myself, time to do yoga, time to go for that walk. You know how good you'll feel. And I'm like, you're right. And I kind of make myself, but it is in love. It's through awareness versus like, get out there. You should, that's ego. It's hard to sometimes determine that for a lot of people, but I do enjoy that outing, but most people just don't. It's like how many people in a sour mood is like, Hey, you're in a sour mood. That's a trigger. That's an undealt with nervous system loop. And it's time to heal your inner child. Like most people go like, no, I'm just stressed about gas prices. And you're like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) so it is really interesting because with your partner, they may not respond to that as well as you would. And I love that example that you would actually go good awareness a lot of the time, but then other times it might not. And that's the symbol or the, the signal that there's more healing to be done. Um, so I want to get to how you how you talk about hypno journeying. Um, but I just first wanted to kind of wrap up when there's issues going on in the relationship and we're feeling like these narratives and there's people going like, I'm just watching the distance happen. I feel like we're passing in the night or maybe we're not as intimate or we're not spending time together. Are there any sort of starting points that you recommend if someone's like, yeah, I don't want to like, I'm pretty sure they're my person. I'm not, I don't want to leave. I feel like it's a good thing, but we do have this distance and I want to nip that so that we you know, can become closer. Is there any sort of starting points for people in that position? Yeah, I would go back to the beginning of this podcast and start again, because that would be often, that's the surface stuff. If you're disconnecting, what's below? And so getting really curious, like, why are we not connecting? You know, we're too busy. Why am I so busy? Are you filling yourself with things that, you know what, aren't the priority of your marriage? So I think I would do a little bit. Is it a surface thing? If it is logistical, yeah, we just need to make more time for each other. Bingo, that's an easy fix. But if you're somehow triggered within all this, like it's making you feel not good enough, it's not making you feel like a priority, it's like making you feel like you're not understood, or maybe you're angry and that's why you're not connected because you're resentful. So I think figuring out a little bit of combination, is it logistical or should I go back to the trigger? How am I feeling right now? What's the trigger emotion? What's the trigger? What's the belief below it? And then I need to do some work on myself so I don't feel like this. And then maybe I'll then be able to communicate my needs better to get my needs met so we can com- we can connect more physically and emotionally. But intimacy is so important. Like it's, it has to happen. You have to have that intimate connection, usually emotionally, physically is important, but the emotional is like a really heart centered soul connection. Mm, Yeah. And (laughs) any advice for people when you do start getting into the journey of having kids or both you and I have three kids, I have multiple clients with three kids, which is in my opinion, it's not even that common, but I, I seem to come across these women and in that it's just crazy those first few years. And I don't know about you. I don't know if it's a limiting belief or what, but there are times in my kid journey that I go like, I physically have no time, whether it's to do something for business. It's like, I go from breastfeeding to changing diapers to this and that, and then he's off to work and then he gets home and then I do this and then I'm exhausted. And there does seem to be this particularly dense time around children. So when we have quote unquote, no time, and that's at that, those actual times where there's very little squares to, you know, pull from of space, how do we then create that intimacy or at least start in not allowing that to kind of keep getting bigger and bigger? Do you know what I mean? That is like the most difficult time for so many reasons. Number one, we're not terribly authentic because we are 
creating the identity and the role of mother. And that takes over a lot of times. And wife, we kind of put that one off to the side, or even as your own personal identity, you kind of put that off to the side in terms of self-care. So this is like one of the big life events that can really detour you off your authentic path. So I think number one, if you can just kind of connect with who am I authentically and understanding this is a stage of life. And I guess figuring out what your husband's needs are at that time. What are your needs? And just kind of distill it down to sure, maybe these are five needs, but maybe I just need one. Maybe it's like we need to sit on the couch together while I'm breastfeeding and we watch binge watch some show on TV together, or maybe he cuddles me while I'm nursing, or maybe it's love languages are acts of service. Please change the baby diaper so I can go have a shower. Like, I think it's picking one thing as a starting point in regards to what your love language is and having it matter one of your needs. So keep it small. It's a stage of life. You're not going to be able to connect the way you used to. And I think forgiving yourself for that and communicating that with your partner. Okay. This is a stage of life. Give us four years, maybe a little mm-hmm. less if we have some people that can help us out, but it, those are busy times. Yeah. But forgiveness for yourself and acceptance. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Especially to new parents, like, please listen to this because it is a crazy time that won't last forever, but that forgiveness and nothing like that sleep deprivation when you're not used to it. Or for me going from two kids to three was just like, felt like a kick in the everything. It was so intense. Um, my kids were also a little bit older. They were off to school and then all of a sudden we're back into babies and it was like, Oh my goodness, here we go. And sometimes it feels like years since we've been able to have date nights. And luckily now the oldest is just able to babysit. So we're like, wait a minute, one day we could go out for dinner, like what, or for a walk on the beach or whatever. Um, but what I wanted to say is as the woman I breastfed and, and, um, you know, gave birth and all that stuff. And even if you didn't breastfeed, there's hormones. And I know you're not necessarily saying you're a hormone expert, but I didn't give that any credit. So when my husband was like, you know, maybe tonight we could, and I'm just like, oh, I'm so tired. Or I've been giving, giving, giving to everybody. And we had to have a conversation around that, that it's like, I, like my body physically feels like it's for everybody else right now. Like whether it's birth, breastfeeding, all the stuff you go through, I have nothing in me to give. And that was a really difficult part. That was primarily when the babies were very fresh and new, where I was kind of saying to my husband, like whether it's physically or affection or sexually or whatever, like I just don't have a lot right now. This is a brief amount of time, but like, I am so tired. It was actually an authentic need to be like, I can't give more right now. So sometimes we feel bad for that. And, and I don't know if there's, you know, other people listening that feel the same, but sometimes we feel bad that it's like either, no, I don't want to go to the park. Like you guys go, I need to sleep or I want to have a bath. Or it's like, I don't feel like sexy time tonight, or I just don't have anything else to give. I resisted that and I felt bad and I felt like I wasn't a good wife, a good mother. And looking back, I'm like, oh, love, like that was a brief amount of time and your body was going through a lot. So sometimes the relationship may feel like strain or or a little bit of distance, but it's really because of those super dense times. So is there anything you want to say in that area, especially to moms that have just have been giving, giving, giving and feel like they don't have a lot left for the relationship for that little amount of time. Um, yeah, I was just curious what you have to say about that. I think you brought up a good point there about guilt. And earlier you mentioned the word should. So I think watching an awareness of your own vocabulary, are you shooting yourself, putting yourself, are you using the word just? Often those are words that'll indicate that we we're not good enough or we're not doing a good enough job. And so I think number one, checking in with your own language, if you're 
shooting, if you're shooting yourself or cutting yourself, are you guilting yourself? And is that a good reason to guilt yourself? Because we probably were kick-ass people before kids, like really kick-ass, like super on top of the ball. Like we had everything organized. We were good wives. We were good daughters. We were good at our work. And then we throw in a baby and it's like, what happened to me? And it's like this evolution. It's like, as you're talking about birth and rebirth and all those things of ourselves throughout our life cycle, like that is a rebirth time or is it almost sometimes a grieving stage of who we were and with that comes possibly some guilt of i'm not doing what i used to do so i think really checking in with your mom guilt your wife guilt your own personal guilt to be like okay is this mine to carry or is this grief because sometimes it's grief and not just guilt i'm i'm mourning who i once was i'm excited for who i am right now but it's confusing and it's chaotic and i don't even know what i'm doing half the time mm-hmm. yeah Absolutely. And I think having that grace and compassion, if it's your first baby or you're knee deep in a couple toddlers or something, it's hard to see that this is temporary because there's that beautiful saying about parent, or I don't even think it's for parents, but I think it's perfect where um, the days are long, but the years are short. And I just feel like no quote has ever seen me so much in, in parenting is like those days are long and exhausting. And sometimes it's like, I didn't even really do anything. I was just like making sandwiches constantly. And like, we walk to the park. Why am I so exhausted? It's just that mental stimulation, all that. And then, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't have much left in me, but that's okay. Like that is a time in life. And uh, you know, something me and my husband will do is like, just randomly, it's like, do you want to watch a movie tonight? And in truth, it might take us three nights to get through that movie, but just making tea and popcorn or whatever, and just sitting together, even if we're not talking and communicate, sometimes that just feels nice. Like, let's just not be anything right now and and be sort of like have that downtime the other thing we try to do is we really look at the things that we like to do together we love like road tripping hiking stuff like that so when we get little glimpses from the grandparents it's like let's go on a hike instead of just staying home and doing the same old even if it's an hour let's go out on a trail let's go for you know for your birthday let's go for a mini road trip and do one overnight or even just a day trip as soon as we can we like to do those things that aren't just deep conversation which we always have but it's like doing things together that we love. Do you love going out for dinner? Do you love a picnic? Do you love going to a concert together or taking a class or a little road trip or just going to the beach, splashing in the waves, like do those things that you guys love to do together in those little times. Um, I'm just curious sort of your feedback on that because I find that that has really helped. It's like quality over quantity because we don't get a lot of quantity alone time, but we make it count when we do. I don't think I have anything to add to that. Like that was spot on. I'm going to make you the marriage coach. Like those are great ideas for date nights. And I really don't have anything to add. I think go back and listen to those date night ideas. Those are perfect. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, we've been together a while, like 12 years and three kids. So it's been, you know, and and he's definitely my soulmate. We've really tried to do what we can to connect, but it's been, it's been tough. I mean, it's individually tough. And then you throw kids and all that. It's just, yeah, it's tough sometimes. Um, so I'd love to talk about the hypno journeying and what is that that you do and what is hypno journeying? The easiest way to put it is it's meditation on steroids. So Essentially, I get you really relaxed. Like hypnosis gets you into a theta brainwave state. And so we have beta, which is you and I talking. We have alpha, where you're very present, meditative state, whether you're meditating or you're just like 
so present and just watching and enjoying. Then there's theta and then there's delta, delta sleep. So theta is really close to alpha being very present, but also close to sleep. So it's kind of that magical, I call it the magical state for change in between sleep and being awake. So when you fall asleep and then you wake up the next morning, you hear your alarm clock go off, you're like, okay, it's Wednesday, it's time to get up. But you might still have just remnants of like pieces of your last dream. So you have a little bit of access to your subconscious mind, but you're very much aware that you need to get up. And this is the brainwave state that so many children are in kind of under the age of eight and primarily like year one, year two, they're very much in a theta brainwave state, absorbing their world as truth and just a sponge, very much able to access their subconscious mind. So with the hypno journey, you get very relaxed using hypnosis to get you to that theta brainwave state. And some women are like really like nervous, like, are you going to make me quack like a chicken on stage? It's like, no, are you going to make me rob a bank? It's like, no, you can't do anything against your willpower. And in fact, I just guide you. I ask questions like, what are you feeling? When have you felt that before? It's a very gentle journey into your subconscious mind. And when you're that relaxed, it's really easy to just pull out a memory of, oh, that's when I didn't feel like I was enough. Oh, that's when I felt not safe. That's when I felt like a fool. That's when I felt like a failure. And so all of a sudden your mind just presents these memories that we can't change because we can't change our memories, but then we can revisit it. Like you said, from the reparenting perspective. And so what happens? is when we're in these memories we'll go back to that one of let me see which one can i bring up recently well we'll go back to that one where the the woman was like the girl was in the kitchen her dad was an alcoholic and came in and started to yell at her for not doing the dishes right she goes back to that memory and you start to feel that emotion of fear come in but we actually bring your authentic self in and that's the beautiful part so you'll start to see multiple of you in the hypno journey and often we bring in an older authentic you the one that you're like like evolving into and she comes in and she reparents you she asks simple things like what is it that you need she's like i just need a big hug right now it's amazing what your little inner child will say like i need a hug i need to know that i'm okay um and so we start with that process of reparenting what we do is we neutralize the emotion because you start to actually we change that interpretation of her dad can you see your dad and why he's so angry right now is it about you no it's not you you can see his own trauma you can see how he was raised you can see what he's trying to hide with his alcohol you can see him now from a different perspective and I know you probably do cord cutting as well, but it's almost like we cut the cords of attachment to the pain. You can still love your dad and sense the love that he has for you. And you actually will see that in the journey. You can see how your dad loves you. He's not loving you the way you need to be loved right now, but you know he loves you. And there's acceptance that, yes, I can see that my dad couldn't love me the way I needed to be loved. He couldn't communicate with me the way he needed to, but I know this isn't about me and that this is him and I'm not carrying this anymore. And then we release a lot of that. And it's incredible how that little girl will feel. We'll go back to that memory a little bit later on in a session and she's she's good she's dancing she's running around she's happy as can be out on the lawn in her front front of her house like so we free ourselves of past pain and past trauma during a hypno journey mm, that is so powerful it definitely sounds like inner child healing but less of a vague thing and more of an experience like an experiential healing not just conceptually understanding it really going in it's so funny how similar some of our work is it's hilarious because we do that as well um is like bringing in different aspects of you also i we create like sacred parents so it's like the divine feminine and the divine masculine and they can nurture you and you know all this stuff but yeah it's this experience of healing which is so powerful and 
Um, I thank you so much for doing that work because I think a lot of people, as you started off this saying is like the typical is let's go to counseling. And that's what most people think that they should do to give it that try to save the marriage, but they're not aware of the other aspects and the other tools that it's not just about the relationship. It's these two individual people, their wounds dancing around constantly. And I love how you said, when you do your own work, you create more space in yourself. And with that space, you can hold more space for them. And that's, I have found that hands down. I don't think I've ever gone into a coaching session, healing session going, I need to fix something with my husband. It's never really been the focus, but by me clearing my stuff, when he is having big emotions or his own triggers or his own intensity, I I feel like I can just stand there, not in perfection because I'm not perfect, but I can generally just stand there and send him love without the need to try to fix him or diagnose him in my mind. And just like, yeah, because I actually look at him and I go, I know what that's like. I know what that's like. I used to get frustrated feeling like, oh, he's dealing with the same struggle over and over. And like, come on, like self-develop, like hire a coach. Let's figure this out. But then one day I went, do I know what it's like to struggle with the same thing over and over and over? And I'm like, yep, I had an eating disorder for over a decade. I struggled with money forever. I struggled in business forever. I struggled with my body and pain and my whole life. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I I understand what it's like to struggle. And I just had compassion. And that compassion, he starts to feel that and I'm more able to give him a a rub on the back instead of like, watch your, you know, what you're doing here and this type of thing, because he just didn't need that in that moment. So anyway, I just love everything you say. I've seen it totally accurate. That is so right. And I've seen this in my own relationship as well. So is there any last thing that you want to say to people? And I, the, I think the last question I have is about you, you touched on like leaving the relationship. So I see this with people where there's the people that are like, no, no, he's my soulmate. We're just going through a rough patch. And then there's those people who are like, I think I need to walk away. And that's a really scary place as you alluded to. Um, And so do you have any words around that, around those people that are actually thinking like this might need to end, this might not be right anymore. Um, Yeah. And just how you would support someone like that or what we can do in that time. Yeah, a lot of women come to me having thought about divorce, but knowing they have one more try in them. They know that they maybe haven't shown up as their best selves, like they can see some of their flaws, but they also have been to a place where they've done some self-development and their husband's just, he's not shifting. And they're like, I'm so stuck. So if you're feeling really stuck and you're like, I don't know what to do, but I want my marriage to work, but I just, it isn't working. So I think like really getting clear on what you need. And in order to get clear, we have to clear all that stuff out, all those blocks that we've been talking about between who you are right now and who you want to become. And when those blocks, a good chunk of them are out of the way, you will just like trust, trust that the universe will give you just as much as you can handle and that you will get to this and you'll get the clarity. So it's more not flowing with fear, fear of like, what's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my finances? What's going to happen to my kids? Like, cause so often fear will drive those decisions. It's like the little ego being like, Hey, we're not okay with this. This isn't going to be safe. Nothing's going to work out for us. And when you think that way, that's what you're going to see. So instead, when you change how you like how you feel, you'll change what you see. And so instead of it being like, okay, I can be a happy, confident self. And when I feel that way, I know that's what I'll see eventually too. So 
Number one, it's trusting. Number two, it's flowing. Number three, it's listening to your intuition. You'll always be guided where you need to go. But again, if your intuition isn't terribly strong right now, that's something that may need to be strengthened. And it'll be strengthened as we clear those blocks out and you start to see little evidence and proof of, okay, you can look back on your track record and see when I follow my intuition, exactly what I need lands in my lap and not from a place of forcing it or from like determination, but from a natural place of like, wow, I'm surprised. Wow. That actually worked out for me. So it's being open to endless possibilities and expecting to be surprised. Mm, Yeah. I love that. And I think you're right. I think a lot of the fear, especially if somebody knows in their heart, like I need to get out of this, it immediately goes to like money, children, the home, the drama too. Like talking about that, like, when do we bring this up when it's so easy to just like keep going and keep going. And maybe it's not that bad and kind of justify for a long time. Um, but that time to go is terrifying. And I really hear you in that. And I just want to say, if anyone's in that position, I have seen many clients and I was also married once before my, my husband, And I've seen so many clients that once they pull that plug, as you were talking about the universe, like when you make a decision like that from self-worthiness going, I am not being treated the way that I want to be, or this isn't fulfilling in the ways this isn't, this person isn't right for me. It's toxic. I'm being abused, like whatever it is, when you make that decision from self-worthiness and you act on it, you will be supported. And that's something that takes, like, as you said, that trust, that faith, it's not easy for everyone. But trusting in that, and I've seen so many clients in really horrific situations that were so either physically or emotionally beaten down that it didn't seem like they could do it on their own. And they turn around to be thriving within even a couple months because the freedom of no longer being so um, not inauthentic in a judgmental way, but you're just not in your power. Then all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, like what music do I want to listen to? What do I want to do with my life? I want to hang out with my friends or I want to start doing yoga. It's like, it frees so much more of you up. If you are in a situation that is just draining you and you know, it's not right. I've just seen it time and time again, where it's the scariest decision to make sometimes, but it pays off so much because you are worth being happy and having your needs met and being with the one, if that's what you want, you're worthy of that. And do you see that with clients? Like once they take that leap, life kind of starts again. Oh, it's so magical to watch. And it's not magic. It's really like laws of science. It's laws of attraction, laws of vibration. Like it's so powerful. And I love when I see that happen to a client and whether not necessarily right away, do they manifest the relationship they desire, but all of a sudden they're like, they they might have their house to themselves now and they're all of a sudden like cutting the grass which they've never done before they're going out for dinner by themselves or they're just going for long drives or hikes and they're like rediscovering themselves and that just adds an extra level of like I got this. I can do this on my own. And sometimes they still have fear. Like, what if I settle into another bad relationship? Cause maybe this isn't their first, like not bad relationship, but relationship that's had some similar patterns of poor communication or betrayal. And I'm like, you're not the same person. You're not going to catch, like, you're, this isn't going to happen again. And if it does start to creep in, if universe is like dangling a shiny carrot in front of you being like, this is almost everything you want, you'll be able to discern because you can listen to your intuition so much better now. So they really start to develop this trust muscle of, okay, this is terrifying, but it's also exciting. And that's how I know it's the right way to go. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely. Especially if it's authentic to you, if it's in your worth, if it's your truth and you're like, no, my truth is I got to get out of here, but I'm scared. Then that is the place where like, when you leap and like lean on your community, have your bestie on speed dial, like get through, you know, however you need to get through, but it will be so worth it. And, and yeah, it's amazing that you see that as well. Um, so is there anything you want to add for anyone that is listening, anything we haven't touched on already? Um, just about all of this about relationships, triggers, you know, healing, um, yourself to help the relationship, all of this. Is there anything else that's unsaid? Yeah. I think the biggest part is this can all be so overwhelming. Like all of this, like, yes, I recognize my triggers. Yes. I recognize my emotions, but okay. Now I'm stuck. Like, how do I really get to those root beliefs and start to shift that out? How do I do that reparenting? So I want to like say to anyone, like hire a coach, get a therapist, get someone that can do this deeper work because you don't have to do this alone because you can get really lost in it and it can be really confusing. It's almost like you need an outside person to help interpret it, help to guide you. So I think that would be one of my biggest next steps, but if not, there's tons of free resources out there just to get the ball rolling a ton of free books. Like I have a lot, not free books, a ton of books out there that you can read just to learn about this stuff. And within that knowledge is power, but we have to make sure we take action as well. So I have some clients who are like, they could teach my courses. They're so knowledgeable, but sometimes they don't take action. I really have to help keep them accountable to take mm-hmm. that action, to take those like jumps off cliffs or just a couple steps down the stairs. But it's amazing how having someone to help keep you accountable, whether it's a friend or someone that can keep you on this path to really transforming yourself. Yeah. Cause it is, it's one thing to know it, but then as soon as your partner comes home and they do that thing, they always do. And then you're back in your fight or flight or you're it's, it is, it can be tough. And, and I hear you. I think too, the shame piece is like, don't be ashamed. If you feel like your marriage is a mess or you're not as happy as your neighbors are or whoever else or happy, like, or everyone thinks it's fine. And it's actually not fine behind the scenes. It's like, don't feel, try not to feel that shame. I remember it's totally different, but when I had an eating disorder, just getting to eating disorder, counseling was like a huge step because I had to admit that I had a problem and I was, you know, in my early twenties and it was just like, I was filled with shame. I was like, I don't have a problem. Like everything's fine. And it was just not fine. So sometimes just getting outside that bubble to ask for help, as you're saying, to get a mentor, to get a therapist, whatever it is, you know, to hire you, um, whatever it is that really resonates with them. It's like, don't be shameful. We all go through stuff. We all have things behind the scenes. Not every marriage is perfect in what it seems out there. We all have things and don't be ashamed to get that help because it's worth it, especially if it's a marriage that you want to hold on to. And if it's not, the the tools will help you in your next relationship or in relationships in general, right? Yeah, I agree. I will second that. Nice. Cool. Well, thank you so much. And if somebody does want to find you, join your programs, work with you, find you on social media, where's the best place, where are the best places to look for you? Yeah. So my company is called Soulify Wellness. So you can almost go to any platform, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, wherever, and find me at Soulify Wellness. So Soulify is like Spotify, but it's Soul, S-O-U-L-I-F-Y Wellness. And for anyone that is wanting to tweak their marriage. I have this guide called three ways to save a marriage and you can go to www.freemarriageguide.com and you can download that. 
Nice. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. I'll put all of the links in the show notes right below so you guys can check her out. Um, Thank you just so much. Thank you, Beth, for being here today, for sharing your magic and doing what you do because relationships are the foundation of like our planet, you know, how we relate the work we're doing inside happy homes and parents to children. And, you know, it's just such an important part of the fabric of all of us and in our ascension it's like relationships are just so important in this we are not an island we're not meant to be an island we do co-create with other humans as well and it's just such a powerful thing you do so thank you so much for spreading these these messages and spreading um your knowledge your love and i just appreciate it so much oh thank you and i want to echo that right back at you so it's wonderful to have people like you in this world to just inspire others so thank you for what you do thank you Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode on the Awakening Her podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation between me and my guest. And if you did, we would love to hear from you. Come find us on Instagram. All the links are below in the show notes. Take a screenshot that you're listening to this episode, sharing your takeaways or your enthusiasm for the show. Tag us both over on Instagram. And if you do that, I will send you a free gift. I really do hope you enjoyed this conversation and I will see you in the next episode.